Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey everybody, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me this morning on this edition of Down to Earth. Today on our show, we're going to talk about herd immunity and what are the implications for herd immunity as it applies to COVID-19, the pandemic that has spread throughout our country. Uh, Today is Friday, May 8th, 2020. And I say that with a lot of trepidation because May is dragging. Like, it feels like May started an eternity ago. But yet still, it's still dragging. So today, it's just the 8th of May. I can't believe it. At at some point today, I I actually thought we were like in the middle of May, like it was the 15th of May. But it's actually just the 8th day of May, 2020. What a time. What a time. What a time. So we're watching as, as, as all of us matriculate through this pandemic. And in the midst of it, life still goes on, right? Uh, just a few days ago, we've been, uh, many of us, we've been focused on what's happening in Georgia with the Ahmad Arbery situation. And just late last night, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation arrested the father and son who are at the, the beginning of this. They, they're in the middle of this. And it kind of is shocking to the rest of us that they had the temerity and the the sense of feeling of absolute freedom that they can kill a human being and get away with it. I think we should all just be stunned at the audacity of people today who think that they can kill people and it doesn't matter. You can see a man jogging in his neighborhood where he lives and shoot him as if it's blood sport, as if his life doesn't count, he doesn't have family, he doesn't have friends, and he doesn't have a wider community who will be outraged. And then they seem not to care about our outrage. Had it not been for public pressure applied, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation would never have moved forward with arresting these people, despite the fact that the video was floating on the Internet in which they clearly were complicit in the murder of this young man. And that tells the rest of us that you think my life is not valued. Try me. You think that your life doesn't matter. They need to try it because we're going to continue to arbitrate. We're going to continue to advocate. And we're going to continue to show up when we see injustice. It's never just going to go away. So for those people on the fringe elements of society who think that it's okay for you to go march on Lansing and march on Capitol buildings throughout the country with your swastikas, your nooses, and your guns, we're going to start marching too. So while they were doing their thing, a black lawmaker from the uh, Southeast Michigan region, she took her armed people into the Capitol because you're all showing up with guns. So they showed up to protect her as well. If you think that we're just going to sit by and say, oh, oh, my God, oh, they're so racist, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to respond and we're going to show up because this is not just your country. This is our country, too. I think everyone needs to remember that slavery, the enslavement of black people was a human trafficking event. And black people have contributed to the commerce and the greatness of this country. In fact, the American economy has been the number one economy in the world since 1871. I don't think I need to remind anybody what built the American economy in 1871. 
It was built on the backs of black and, and black men and women who were taken, beaten, sexually violated, raped, pillaged, discarded, raped again, beaten within an inch of their lives, murdered and killed to build this great country. That's the sacrifice. So for those of you on the fringe element who like to wear your swastikas and so on, just know we are coming to. We're going to show up and we're going to defend our rights to be here since you won't keep quiet. And the rest of you who sit back and continue to allow the people on the fringe element to define your society and define your culture, you are just as culpable because your silence is speaking and saying you agree with what they do. Until you widespread condemn your cousins, whom you know are still on the fringe element, you know who they are, until you condemn them and tell them, I'm not your relative, don't show up at my house, I don't want to see you, I don't want to have nothing to do with you, don't call me, I'm not sending any money to support you, until you tell your cousin, this is going to continue to define white culture, that this is who you are. Until we get that message across, this is not going to stop. Because this just can't, you, you can't just be in your neighborhood jogging and two men, two white men think that you are blood sport and they can just kill a whole human being and nothing happens. And have the nerve to post pictures about it and did a video on it as if they're hunting deer or an animal. Well, they need to be hunted in the penitentiary. And let me just watch and see how, because this is, you know how they do justice in Georgia, right? There's some fake justice. They arrest, arrest them to keep everybody quiet. But when it actually goes to trial, it, it's a trial by, by color because they choose people who are likely to set them free. There should be a jury of the peers of Aubrey, don't you think? There should be a jury of his peers to try those people, right? Because those people need to be put away. Yes, I said those people. They need to be put away. They need to be put away. They need to be, I think Georgia still has the death penalty, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a southern state, so it most likely has a death penalty. It does have, right? And so Georgia, they need to be put away. Whether you do the electric chair or you do the injection, I don't care. But they need to pay for what they have done. So it serves as an example to all the fringe elements, all the swastika-wearing people, all the people sporting their Confederate flags, all the people who think it's okay to show up with nooses, you all need to understand that if you continue to shoot people who are black, you are going to go to jail and you're going to go to prison and you're going to pay for it. It just can't be. It's too much. It's 2020. This is not 1920. This is not 1820 or 1720. This is 2020. That stuff is over. Okay, so I'm glad to see they did, a, they did an arrest, but I want to see how the trial matriculates. I want to see how the trial works, if they're actually going to uh, really send them to jail and give them the death penalty. That will be something. Let's see. In one of the pictures, the governor of Georgia took a picture with one of the murderers. I wonder how that's going to look for his reelection. I suspect. That might be why he opened barbershops and gyms. I mean, he doesn't see the value in black life either. He grew up in, a, in, a, in, a, in an environment where people didn't matter if you weren't white. So let's see how that turns out. Is it? I mean, we're talking about 2020 here. This is not 1920. It's 2020, and you still are harboring those kinds of ideas. 
that you can still show up in places with nooses and swastikas? And I don't understand how the rest of you all support that kind of ideology. I would be terrified. I wouldn't go to your function. I wouldn't eat from you because I don't know if you don't place it with poison. Because if you can support people who are part of your, your organization who show up with swastikas and nooses, something is very wrong with that. No, that would make me uncomfortable. Because if I'm among you and you are carrying a noose, then who are you carrying it for? Not yourself. It must be for people like me. So it must be me. This is some crazy stuff that we're living in. Now, we're in the midst. It's just When I saw that yesterday, I was like, <laughs> I wondered how long it was going to take them to save face when the public outrage had achieved such a measure, not just in Atlanta, but around the country. Like, no. I hope they see the new South. The new South does not look like the old South. The new South does not look like 1920. The new South is a revival. And the new South is comprised of people who are not going to sit back and take this racist agenda for nothing at all. You're not going to shoot people. It could have been my son. It could have been your son. It could be anybody's son. You're not going to shoot my son, my brother in the street. For no other reason than you think it's blood sport. What if black people had shown up in that man's neighborhood and shot him to death? What would have happened? It's a good thing we don't act like that, huh? You know what that would have been called? A herd, a herd immunity. Which brings me to what I want to talk about today, herd immunity. Uh, have you guys seen that concept floating around? Herd immunity. Herd immunity. Herd immunity applies... So is a concept by which there are two things that happen, right? When majority of the population in, a, in any given population, right? So any given group of people, a majority of the population have been infected with the disease and have recovered or mass vaccination. That's herd immunity. Now, you do realize that states are reopening. Just yesterday on the news, uh, the, uh, all the infectious disease experts, all the doctors and the scientists are saying that we are sending people back to work and we don't have vaccines and we don't have, and we are, relying, we, we are sending people back to work and there is no indication that the curve has been flattened. Here in Michigan, the governor is touting that we have achieved uh, some measure of control over the spread of the virus, but she says we've got to be cautious. It's not time for all of us to just rush back out there and just think it's okay to resume business as usual. However, the president is touting that states should reopen. There's no vaccination for COVID-19, none whatsoever. They're relying on herd immunity where everybody goes out, gets, gets uh, infected, and recovers. Guess what? What is the recovery rate for COVID-19? So many people. What if your body and your immune system, after you've been infected, does not recover? That's a dangerous risk to take, isn't it? But you know why? Because we have seen in this particular disease that people die as a result of it. If people are dying from the disease, it sounds to me like it's not a safe bet to rely on herd immunity. It sounds to me like we should be cautious about the ways in which we proceed. 
But that's not what we're doing. What we're doing is saying that it's okay to send people to their deaths. It's okay to send people to be infected. Some people never recover. The rates of death have slowed because we've become better at treating it. So people are not dying as much. We have more ventilators. So we're slowing the rates of death. They've become better at infection control and controlling that. But at the same time, we still have almost 47,000 cases in the state of Michigan. If we really had flattened the curve, we would still be at the point where we were a month ago in April. So we haven't flattened the curve. The rate of infection keeps going up. Now, there's no national rate for the country because each jurisdiction and each, each state reports differently. We know the numbers are not coming in from the red states. We know most of the southern states and the rural states, they're not reporting their numbers in an effort to cover it so the Republican government, the Republican administration that is currently running the country doesn't look bad, which is a disservice because then medical professionals won't get the help to people who need it. It is, it is ridiculous to think you can hide the numbers of who are sick so resources are not deployed to the people who are sick. Come on, you're playing with people's lives to control your numbers because you don't want to look bad? Can I help you out a little bit? You look bad, and you're going to look worse a year from now when people start suing you all for recovery because they lost their family members needlessly. You're going to look bad when there are congressional hearings a year from now, when you are literally going to be tried for criminal acts of negligence in causing someone's death. There is such a thing as negligent homicide. So keep thinking you can hide the numbers and shove the numbers away. There are going to be investigations ensuing from this, and somebody somewhere is going to pay. So don't try to hide the numbers now so it won't make you look bad going into an election cycle. That election in November is a wash already. Everybody can see which way it's going. You might as well just give up and do the right thing by the people. Because sending people back to work is going to kill people. As a matter of fact, in Georgia, uh, in Atlanta, they saw where the week after they reopened, infections went up 2,000 in 24 hours. 2,000 people. Some people are saying, well, you know, we got better at, at testing. There are testing sites everywhere. Everybody does not go to be tested because some people are asymptomatic, display no symptoms whatsoever. This is a virus that needs to be studied because it seems to mutate on different people when it lands on them. There are some people for whom it seems to, it, it has, it portrays different symptoms. As a matter of fact, now coming out of it, they're saying there's some things that it gives like a stroke and a heart attack, things we've never heard of before. You've got to understand, when this first started, the Republicans were saying this was a hoax and this is something the Democrats contrived to make the president look bad because we hate it. They just hate the man. No, the numbers did not lie. And the numbers were always speaking. And now more than ever, the numbers are horrendous to look at. And I want to know if you're human enough that when you look at these numbers, do you wonder what is going on? Like, I can't help but feel some affinity with this because I live in Detroit, Michigan. And in Detroit, Michigan, around these parts, extending into some parts of Metro Detroit, 
There are so many people whose lives have been upended by this virus. It's not just the economic impact of losing your job, not having a job, and your your uh, ability to live is, is questionable and is set in jeopardy or is jeopardized. But it's the fact that so many people have died. They've lost their aunt. They've lost an uncle. They've lost a father, a mother. People have lost multiple relatives. In fact, one church denomination in Southeast Michigan, the Church of God in Christ, has lost to date more than 12, I think it's now 17 members of their leadership to COVID-19. They all went to one funeral and it was just like a wrap right through it after that. Do you see what I'm saying? So it is near and dear and very familiar in observing the effects of it. I've had friends who were infected by the grace of God. They're still alive today. I kid you not. One of them was asymptomatic. He said he felt like something was wrong. To this day, he hasn't developed a full-blown virus. He just had symptoms and tested positive twice. I have another friend who completely had the symptoms, tested positive, and by the grace of God has recovered. My former hairstylist, who is 29 years old, got the virus and recovered. Her 22-year-old cousin did not survive. Are you hearing me? So when you look at this, you have to ask yourself the question, what gambles are we taking with people's lives? When we insist that people go back to work before we have vaccinations, there's no vaccination for COVID. I don't know where they're going to find one by September. I don't trust that because enough studies have not been done. Because every time they think they have a profile on what the virus looks like, it shows a different set of symptoms. It's kind of like an intelligent virus, isn't it? The way it lands on each person's body is now different. Because now that we have had some history with it, they're studying it. Just last night, uh, my producer sent me a clip from ABC News that shows that COVID-19 is showing up in the semen of male survivors. Are you all listening? Ain't nobody going to have sex anytime soon, (laughs) right? If it is showing up in the semen of male survivors, it's in your body that it is in your body fluid. Hell no. That gave me the creeps right there, just to imagine. So we're still in the woods with this virus. The scientists and the doctors are right. The science is irrefutable. Science is not a made-up scenario that people who think too much or studied too much come up with. Science is data and facts. People who are scientists study the facts and the data. They don't make up stuff. They study the stuff and come up with some ideas. If we didn't have science, we wouldn't have vaccinations for polio and other diseases that are not current today. They're not prevalent today as a result of the science that proved that they could arrive, they could create a a vaccine that stopped those diseases. That's why we have a whole section of medicine called infectious diseases. It's science. It's science that tells us if our blood pressure is high or low. It's science that tells you whether your cough is a flu or not. It's science. Stop making it sound like science is something that the devil created. God created the heavens and the earth. And if you don't think the earth is a scientific experiment, you obviously believe that NASA is wrong. 
you obviously believe that the astronomers and the, and the astronauts who go to space are taking a wrong picture. If you don't believe in science, then how do seeds grow? You're a farmer. How do seeds grow? If you don't believe in science, how you wake up and you have periods until you're in your 40s or 50s and then it stops and then you can't have children anymore. Tell me about that. If it is not science, how do you have sex with a woman and eschew sperm and then a baby develops out of it? That's all science. How does your body know when to go to the bathroom? You want to pee, you want to poo, you spit, you, your hair grows, then it doesn't grow. That is science. So for the people who did not science, you are not sensible. You actually don't sound smart. I don't care how many degrees you have. Because your body, you're a living example of science. How, do you, how does your body know it grows until it stops growing at 25 and your bones stop growing at 25? I don't understand that. Help me to understand that. How do you deny the facts of science? So even if you don't want to believe in climate change, even if you don't want to believe, how does the sea not come over the land? Hello, somebody, unless there is an earth movement like an earthquake. Is that science that holds it in place? Or you just believe the sea was always, I mean, it's the craziest thing. You look at your own body. After a certain age, you need glasses to wear. How does your body know that? How does your body know when you're hungry and when you're not? Some of us don't listen to our bodies when our stomach tells us it's full, don't eat anymore. But that's another story for another day. Right? So how is it that you pretend that science does not exist? So you are ignoring to your own detriment, you ignore the data that tells us that this is a virus that threatens the human body. And that if we don't pay attention to it, it is going to wipe out more people than we are comfortable with. It's going to kill more people and hurt people we love. There are people who have lost loved ones. Thankfully, thank God, it's not been me. But when I look and see the faces of people and know what they represented to others, I, it affects me. I am human. And then I go to my Twitter feed and read about people who lost their parents and could not be there in their dying moments. One woman said her husband of 23 years, they have two sons, right? And 23 years, she says, we've been together for 23 years. We went on vacation together. They even went grocery shopping together. They had such a good marriage. And she said, my husband got sick and we tried to keep him at home. And when she took him to the hospital, she couldn't even go in there to register him. And they called her four days later to tell her her husband had passed away. She wasn't there in his dying moment. She said, it's the most painful thing to not have been there with my husband. She said they called her the day before he died and she played the song. You know what she played? Their wedding song. I will love you forever. She said, I can't believe I've lost the love of my life. These are real stories. She was getting ready a few days ago to bury her husband. They were about to celebrate their wedding anniversary and had plans to go traveling to celebrate their anniversary. Are you hearing me? These are real stories. And so we sit in our political bubbles because we are privileged. And we don't have to mix with the public because we have a slew of people around us. And so we make decisions 
based on how we think. We don't we ignore the data, ignore the science. Scientists are not important because they don't look good on TV. Because this is a reality show that we're in. And this is a reality show experiment. And I'm experimenting with people's eyes because frankly I don't care. They don't come near my family. I don't care. So we're going to send people out. How irresponsible is it to tell people to go march on Lansing? How irresponsible is that? Placing their lives in danger and the lives of everyone else whom they come in contact with. <coughs> Excuse me. And then they show up with nooses and swastikas and the black lieutenant governor presides over the state. And we don't care about the effects because we're mad that Karen can't go get her hair cut and get her frosted bangs and she can't go get her French manicure. And Boba is mad because he can't go down to the bar, down to the tavern and and spit out his tobacco and smoke and drink. We're mad about that. And we think we have a right to do that because we think we, no, you don't own anything. You don't own this country. The Native Americans first did. Their blood was shed first. You just came the same time you brought blacks with you. And now you have this shared history because the blacks were, black people worked and paid the price. They were beaten and murdered in the fields and buried and hung up like dogs for, for, for uh, scavengers to eat. And you all thought it was blood sport, just like this man jogging through his neighborhood. You fired shots and killed him and made a video of it because it's funny. You're not even human, and you have the nerve to call yourselves Christians. God does not know you. Believe me, you are the people who means going to Jesus is going to save you on that day. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I know you not. Many people are going to be thrown like that because you did not live as a human. What is the one common thing you're supposed to do? Love one another. I know it's difficult to love people. People are crazy. It's difficult, but you don't have to wrap them in your arms and take them home to to your house. That's not love. Love is being compassionate. Love is saying, boy, that could happen to me, but by the grace of God, go out. That's love. I wouldn't want, I work at, from home. I wouldn't want anybody to go back into work and have this mass effect. I wouldn't want that. Because it's not, it's just, I don't know, I'm not wired that way. I'm not made up without compassion. I don't look at the world through privileged eyes as if I am better than the next human. That's what this is. They're sending us back to work without a vaccination, knowing that we could get sick, relying on herd immunity that if 70 to 90%, there are 300 and 60 million people in the United States. That's my estimate. Because there are people who are not counted. Right? 70% of the population, they're relying on 70% of the population to become infected. This person who is thinking like that, that is genocide. That's like Hitler. That's mass murder. Do you realize that? If they're sending us back to work, relying on herd immunity, that 70 to 90% of the population will become infected, that is mass murder. Because some people might not survive. 
My grandmother won't survive. Your grandparents won't survive. Your parents who are jacked up in a nursing home won't survive either. And now they're seeing, at first we thought children were immune from this. Now we're seeing that when the virus affects children, they display different symptoms. So this is mass murder. This is killing off mass groups of people because you didn't care. All you cared about was how you look, and as long as it doesn't affect you nor your family members, you're okay because you live in a bubble. Seriously, people. If you don't think there are going to be after effects out of this, you must be living under a rock. There is no way that people next year, this time, when things start feeling a little bit more normal and people start recognizing and they're out of that initial shock of grief, that shock that comes with grief, and they get out of it and realize this could have been prevented, there is no way there won't be mass lawsuits. I suspect a lot of people are going to get on a plane and go to Argentina or someplace where there is no extradition requirement. I, I kid you not. Some of these folks are going to go away. They're going to disappear. They're not going to Mexico because Mexico, they'll go down there and just haul them across the border. But a lot of people are going to disappear because when people wake up and realize, I didn't have to lose my mother, my father, nor my uncle. There's going to be mass lawsuits and class action lawsuits for days against the people who perpetrated this evil. This is mass murder. And I kid you not, I cannot believe that this could happen in the United States. I cannot believe that. I am shocked to think that we ever could think that we could let this happen. I wonder what the presidents of old are thinking. Have you ever wondered about that? We thought Tricky Dick Nixon was bad. I wonder what Bill Clinton is thinking. What is Obama thinking? Let me just ask, what is George W. thinking? His dad died, so Daddy Bush is gone. Reagan is gone. What is Jimmy Carter thinking? The living presidents who are alive, what are they thinking about this? They must be horrified to see a nation that they presided over. They were the same. They were presidents, too. They they weren't perfect. I must confess that I have some skin in the game. I do like George Bush. I did like him as a president. Don't ask me who my favorite presidents are because I have a list, right? But just think about the ones who are alive today. They were presidents too. They had the same level of authority, and they did not make these kinds of decisions. Yeah, I don't agree with Bush sending us into war in Afghanistan, but at the time, that's what they saw. This was preventable. You didn't listen to any of the experts. The, the thing with the other presidents is they recognized the limitations of themselves. They didn't think it made them look bad or they didn't think that it lacked intelligence or any. They listened to the experts. In fact, they let their people guide them to making decisions that proved to be fruitful. They listened. They said, what does this look like? What are the ramifications? How this works? How it won't work? Who will it affect? How can we mitigate? And then they made a decision. That's a president. That's a leader. That's what leaders do, right? That's just common. You listen to the all sides, and then you come to a decision that is an informed opinion. And then as a leader, you must display compassion for the people who elect you. You must display compassion. You have to demonstrate compassion. Otherwise, you become a dictator. Otherwise, you become 
somebody who sends people back to work without being informed, without mass testing, without having a vaccination. Do you see what I'm saying? This is our country, and this is what we have come to, that we're going to rely on everybody getting infected by a disease that we have seen so far is rampant in its application and its intent to kill, to rob us of the greatest and the best of us all. It robs us of our connection to family. How do you think it feels knowing that the persons whom you came out of, your parents, you can't see them, you can't touch them. There's nothing like something going on and you just want to hug from mom. You could be 90 years old and your parents are alive. There's nothing quite as comforting as encouraging words from a parent, from an aunt. Do you know what it feels like? The other day I was missing my mom so much. I picked up the phone and called my, my mom's sister, my aunt. Yeah, felt good. I just needed that. And I'm 50 years old. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I keep thinking if my mom were alive today, what would she be thinking? My mother would never have survived COVID, not with her underlying health condition. And I couldn't go to see her or to walk her through it and to be there in her final moments to reassure her that she will not be forgotten or not, she's not loved. I'm petrified by this virus. I spray my children down. If they have to go grocery shopping or, or so, when they come back, I get so petrified, I disinfect, I spray their clothes down. Friends, we've got a problem. We can't send people back to work with this virus. As rampant as it is, running through our neighborhoods, through our streets, through our homes, and it is going to affect our business places. People are going to say we're deep sanitized. It doesn't matter. It's transmitted airborne. We're going to breathe the same air. Do you know why we're wearing masks? We don't want to breathe the air that everybody is breathing. Have we all realized that? This is why I say when we're going grocery shopping, we go first thing in the morning right after they're desanitized overnight. So you don't, you're not in the place where everybody is breathing at the same time and they have your touching surfaces that everyone has touched. I'm beginning to think they need to develop a thing where you can just put your card over it and it just captures it and it's done instead of pushing it in and all that kind of stuff. They need to get rid of that now. I'm serious. It is what it is. And now you want us to go back into environments where we, don't, we still don't have a vaccine. And people are rushing to create vaccines. I guarantee you some of those vaccines might either kill people off or they're not going to be effective in, in stopping the virus. This is the thing. I, I want to underscore these salient points because this is, this, this is how it is. The diseases that's likely to spread to people who aren't immune because there are just enough infections infectious carriers to reach. This is what the whole premise of herd immunity is built around. That the disease will not spread because there are not enough infectious carriers. It herd immunity. The process, the concept by which 70 to 90% of a given population 
will become infected with the disease or through vaccination. I just want us all to mull and think about that. I know folks who would not survive this virus who have underlying health conditions. I spoke to some folks on the phone yesterday. I haven't heard from them in a while. You know when you think of someone and I'm like, I haven't heard from them in a while. I reached out. It was so reassuring to hear their voices on the phone. It's so reassuring to hear the voices of my family members right now. To see my children every day is, is, is a blessing to me right now. To know that they're fine. To hear my nieces and talk to them, it's amazing what it does. It makes my heart sing. To hear the voices of friends. You, can you imagine when two of my people, two of the people in my circle, got infected? How I felt? It was with trepidation. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I prayed like a man. I prayed like I've never prayed before. I did not know I could pray like that. Mm-hmm. Every night at 10.30, I was on the floor begging God for mercy for those two people. One of them is very important to this community. I couldn't. I was like, no, Jesus, certainly. There's a bomb in Gilead for this. I kid you not. We've got to understand what this means. So when they're talking about re-engagement, we know exactly what they're talking about so that we can be informed. Because in Michigan, I don't know what you guys do in the rest of the country, but here in Michigan, the governor says, if people don't feel like they're safe enough to go back to work, she has this covered where they can still file for unemployment. Because let's just be clear, we're going, we don't have the test results. They're not going to tell you that so-and-so tested. And you don't know what's going to happen. You're taking a risk going back into They're going to say, okay, we need sanitize, and we're going to practice social distancing, so we've reconfigured our office spaces. You know what most of us are finding out right now? We could have worked from home from before. We're making it work. It could have happened. So we don't really need to go back. I mean, we can set up an appointment to go into the office once a week. Then you can practice social distancing. So people return to work staggered. They come back, come into the offices on a staggered basis. But people can inherently work from home. You can set up and give them a computer. It's cheaper. And you can monitor how many hours per day they're actually logged in or how many hours per day they're actually working. might see some things you don't want to see on Zoom, but hey. Right? But we've got to make some considerations about jobs like that. For instance, even in the court system, who's going to go back to work with prisoners who are the most infected right now? You're going to send sheriff's deputies to touch people who have had it. Then you're going to bring them into the court to breathe the air that we all breathe. Huh? Without a vaccination. Impossible. We're going to be in a vehicle transporting uh, prisoners, all breathing the same air. Not good. Not good at all. I am glad that for most of the country, school is about to be up because in, in the South, after Memorial Day, school is done. Here in the Northeast, 
school is about to wrap up by the first week or the second week of June. So we have less than four weeks in the school year. It's pretty much a wrap. We don't need that. We don't need to send children back into that. We don't need people who work in school districts, whether they're teachers or administrators or they're the janitor. We don't need that. So at least we can eliminate that one sector, that education is out of it, right? We can, we, we can eliminate that. Universities and colleges, same thing. We've got to mitigate this. But what about the other professions? Like, I need my eyebrows done. I've got to get my hair colored. I've got to go get my facial. I have to go to the spa. What about in the casinos? It's all touch. Large groups of people in a place. Impossible. What about in the factories, in the plants, whether you're an automaker or you're not? What about Amazon fulfillment? People work in fulfillment centers. Those are all industrial type occupations. What about that? What about hairstylists? Aestheticians, right? Barbers. Well, in Georgia, they clearly sent people back so people could get infected because Governor Kemp apparently hates people. He doesn't like people who don't look like him. It's bad. It's pretty bad, y'all. We can't just do this. We can't do this. We need to be compassionate. We need to think about others. And we need to understand that people are people, and we need to value human life. We're looking like Hitler. When we order mass suicide, mass suicide takes place when you send people back into to an environment where it's not safe. It's like spraying everybody with gas. That's what this is like. We don't care about people. That's what we're saying. We don't care about you, but we need you to go back to work while I sit on my yacht and sip mimosas because you can't come near me for you to even talk to me. Even if you work in my household, you have to be sanitized to talk to me. You can't touch me. But you want to send people back to make your Teslas. So you can feel good and have a good uh, stock market day on Friday morning. Ain't going to happen. Better be careful. You might just find yourself at the mercy of God, begging God for mercy because you might just lose your life. When you start thinking you're better than others, God has a way of humbling all of us. No greater truth has been told. I'm a living witness. Just when you start thinking, that you might be better than others, that your life is more valuable than the next person. God has a way of humbling and showing you who he really is. And I'm saying to all of you today, under the sound of my voice, be very careful in this re-engagement with everyone. Now we recognize that we're breathing the same air. Haven't I always said that? that we're breathing the same air, so that's our commonality? Do you recognize that we're all breathing the same infected air by the grace of God, this virus is passing us over? This is not a time for us to shut our eyes and just walk on by and just let it look like. This is a serious time. We need to seriously think. And for those of you who may have influence with policymakers, you probably need to listen to what they're saying. The governor of Michigan has done an awesome, phenomenal job in mitigating and controlling the spread of this disease. 
She's done an awesome job. She stood her ground with good reason to. Because the data does not lie. And now, here we are. So many people have lost their lives. I got to go. So many people have lost their lives. And we're still, still wondering if re-engagement was the right thing to do. Think about that. It's amazing to me. It's simply amazing to me that here we are today wondering if it's a good idea to send people out to work, knowing that it's going to be mass suicide. And we're still saying go back to work, telling people that they should. It's mass suicide. Because you don't want to believe in the facts. You're a scientific experiment yourself. How, how are you assured that you will wake up tomorrow morning? There's no guarantee that when I go to sleep tonight, I'll wake up tomorrow. It's by the mercy of God. Somebody flicked the switch. God flicked the switch and said, wake up. So you're a science, scientific experiment. I saw some weird, weird, some pastors in Michigan are suing the governor. You're not going to win, but I guess you just want to make noise and make a show of stuff. And I'm like, you're not representing God. Because God is sitting there wondering if you have all lost your mind. Because this virus is killing people. And yet, you're acting as if people's lives don't matter. But you're representing God, though. Okay. One of the church's word of faith says they're going to deep clean their services and they can have multiple services where they social distance. And I'm like, we're all going to be in the same auditorium breathing the same air and you're going to tell us to clap our hands and, and, and sing praises to God? Seriously? I'm like, no, you want the money because your property is so mortgaged out. You need that money coming in to maintain your lifestyle. That's what you want. <laughs> Let's just be clear. This has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with the pockets of these preachers being lined with money. Let's just be clear. Once we can accept that, then you just say, yeah, okay. Let's keep it moving. Right? Herd immunity. I want us all to think about it because coming next week, a lot of folks will be going back to work or not. And I want us to think about it. And I just want to thank you for your time today in listening to me, taking time out to listen to me. My name is Harry Kimmick. It's Friday, the 8th of May, a new beginning. Let this be a new beginning for all of us that we rethink the way we think. You're going to have to trust God walking through this next season. You're going to have to seriously look at it from a whole different point of view than you've been studying it before. Is it worth your life to go back into this environment? Right? Think about that. My name is Harry Kimmick. Go to my website, harrykimmick.com. Buy my book, Through the Fire. It's available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. Anywhere books are sold, wherever you are in the world, the book is translated into the language of your choice. Please continue to listen to our podcast available on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever a podcast platform is. You can find me. You can also stream me on iHeartRadio, on your TV sets, through your cable boxes, through your cable system, or through an app on your phone. I just want to thank you so much. It's the weekend. After this, take a deep breath. Breathe. It's going to be okay. Just keep telling ourselves it's going to be okay as we work towards finding a solution to these issues. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for watching. Be blessed.
Thanks, everybody. Be blessed.